Hello, hello, and welcome to The Mental Matchup, a podcast where we hope to shed light on one of the hardest competitions an athlete will ever face, the matchup against their own mind. I'm Kat, and today I sit down with Brandon Allen. Brandon is a former Division I football player at Towson University. Brandon and I chat about how he got into football, the role football and sports played in his life, and ultimately his struggles in questioning his self-worth and his own mental health in college. Um, I really enjoy this episode with Brandon because I think we get into the nitty-gritty of how he was feeling, what he was going through, but ultimately how he was able to go on this healing journey and kind of take his own experience with mental health and turn it into a passion project called Love Yourself, um, where he shares his mental health journey and really has become this big mental health advocate with his clothing brand focused on loving yourself first. Um, I hope you all enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed my conversation with Brandon. With that, let's get right into it. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on The Mental Matchup. I am beyond excited to have you on, chat about who you are, what you do, and kind of, you know, your experiences as just a human and student athlete. So to kick us off, can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what you do? Hello, my name is, well, thanks for having me. Um, it's an honor. Um, my name is Brandon Allen. I am a former student athlete. Um, I played Division One football at Towson University. I'm currently a business owner and also an educator. I teach at Towson High School. I teach world history and psychology. Amazing. So where, like, what was it like growing up? Was your sport always football? Did you dabble in a few different sports? Um, growing up, I swear I was going to the NBA, you know, like I was like, you know, basketball was my thing. I actually had like a huge growth sport in like eighth grade. So like I, I was like six one, like when I got to eighth grade. So I was like, oh, it's okay. I'm gonna be six eight. I'm gonna I'm gonna be like the next LeBron James. Um, but I stopped growing there. So I uh kind of didn't luck out there. Um, but I started to get stronger, so, so football started to become more something that I loved. In eighth grade, I started. That's when I really started to get a lot better at football. So, with growing up, like, what what was sport? What did sports kind of represent within you as a student athlete in your identity in your community? Like, did it play a big piece, small piece? Yeah, it was huge because. I started playing football because all my friends played and I felt like it was more like validation for me. Um, like now that I reflect back on it, like I was doing it and it was just so, it just so happened to be that I was good at it. So I got a lot of praise from it. So it was kind of filling, it was, it was filling that void. It was, it, it was filling that void of acceptance. Can we dive a little bit deeper into that? When you say like filling that void of acceptance, what, what do you mean by that? 
Um, I've always looked for validation growing up from my parents. And um, when I got to like middle school, I wasn't like my dad lived in New York, my mom lived in PA. So like, and I was a middle child. So I felt like I was like neglected. So I wasn't receiving that love from like at home. So I was looking for that love in other places. Got it. And and you found that in, you know, this validation of sport. Um, what what were mental health conversations like growing up, if there were any? There were none, none at all. Like, I didn't know it was, a, I didn't know anything about mental health or depression until I got to college. Why do you think that is? I think like growing up where I grew up at and, and the upbringing that my parents had, it was more just like men don't cry. Um, if you go through certain things, you, you suck it up. Um, and it really wasn't really much talk about your feelings. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that very, very frequently in terms of like the expectation, you know, and, and I think part of that is like, there's this huge shift I think that we're in the middle of where people are finally kind of talking about their emotions and their mental health. And it's like, it's nowhere near where it needs to go, but even normalizing men's emotional and mental health. Um, because I think like, even, I don't know, I've had experiences where some of like the men in my life are, you know, it's, it's not, they weren't raised to show their emotions, right? It's like scary for them. And therefore like they, they kind of pass down these or have passed down certain expectations around it, which, you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we're working on the change. Let's, let's talk a little bit about football and recruiting. Um, so when you're in high school, at what point did you realize, wow, I, I might be able to take this to the next level. I might be able to, you know, play collegiately and when you realized that was that something that was really driven by a want to do it or driven almost by like well this is part of my identity this is like what I'm expected to do that's great that you asked that I feel like it was a combination of both and I think it was probably like my sophomore year where I was like all right maybe like I, w- I knew I wanted to play football and I saw I was like, I wonder what it would be like to play at the next level. At the time, I didn't have the grades for it, so I knew I had to start getting, like, start doing better academically. But I think my junior year, I was set on, yeah, I want to play at the next level. What was your recruiting journey like? Um, it was it was difficult. So, just um, I think like my junior year, um, I had like some interest, but then I I ended up hurting my hamstring. And when I was at a Fordham camp and like Fordham was like the number one school I wanted to go to, especially like coming from the Bronx, like my mom, she used to live, she used to work like in the building like that's like you, it oversees Fordham University. So I remember being a kid and be like, I want to go there when I, when I grow up. But I remember I went to the Fordham camp, I was running on my 40 yard desk and I pulled my hamstring and I just, and I was like at the very beginning of the camp. And before that, they were, you know, calling me, emailing me, like just like a whole bunch of interest. And then right after that happened, they just stopped. And then I called them the next day, like, hey, like, what happened? And they're just like, you're just not good enough. And I remember as a kid, like, that hurt. Like, they'd be like, dang, I'm not good enough. Um, and it, and it, it kind of broke me. And then it felt like I had something to prove. 
Um, at the time, I, I thought I had something to prove to other people. As I grew up, I realized I had something to prove to myself. So at that moment, I was just like, I'm not going to let anybody tell me I'm not good enough for anything. So a couple of weeks later, Towson called me. Um, never been to Towson, care about it, but I was like, this is an opportunity, so I'm going to I'm gonna run with it. And then they were like, we, we gave out all the scholarship positions, but you can come on as a preferred walk-on. So I was like, this is yes like whatever opportunity but also i remember like i, I mentioned earlier like I, like my academics was an issue and the, like my recruiting coach he brought that up and i remember looking him in the face to just like if you give me an opportunity to play at your school like academics is not going to be something that you have to worry about and i i held that promise um all throughout uh college which was which was pretty cool that's awesome yeah yeah i think i think what happens sometimes is some some student athletes like are so so focused on like high performance and and then don't like on the field and don't necessarily like realize how important the academic piece is is going to be um because if you're a high performer and you're also a kid that's easy to get into the school it's like sweet but if you're a high performer and there's someone else who might have better academics that that tends to make things difficult, um, which is a lot to, I think, even think about as a high schooler, like you're 15, 16, 17 year old, and you're like, wait, I'm like graded by these metrics. Um, you know, it really is like how you perform is pretty, I mean, I, I know we like always took into account, you know, like personality and general, like fit on the team, right? Like would they mesh well or et cetera, but unfortunately for the school piece it's like all right what package can you provide us um yeah. but I love that you were able to keep that promise so yeah. you decide to play collegiate football you find your way to Towson what what was the beginning of college like for you I know I know I've had a lot of guests on and I feel like the storyline usually is freshman year is really hard it's a big transition year where you go from big fish, little pond to little fish, big pond, and you're kind of on your own from your parents. So kind of walk us through what did that look like? Yeah, I think when I first got there, I think I didn't feel the loneliness until my sophomore year. I think when I first got there, I was excited to, to be there. I was excited to be on the team because of my recruiting journey kind of was kind of weird. Um, so I, I remember I was, instead of coming on in the summer, like they initially like told me I was going to come on as a gray shirt. So I remember I was there and then it just so happens like the second week, like uh, that the season started, the position opened up. So I was able to come on earlier. So I was like very grateful to be there. So like, I think it was a lot of like, I was like, I was like on a high, like that first year. And then I think it really, can like you the, can you explain really quickly what a gray shirt is so to the audience? Is, yeah, so a gray shirt is basically um, you come in like in the start of the winter, and then that's when you start up on the team. So so like a red shirt, you'll come in on, like in the summer, you'll sit out that first year, but the gray shirt, you don't come in until the, until that season is done. Awesome. Thank you. Sometimes the terminal, I mean, especially in, in, in football, I think gray shirt is probably like football is probably the only sport that they use gray shirts in. Um, I, I know like they also, I feel like 
football uses like red shirts and more strategically than other sports like other yeah. sports are like no 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 like we're planning on you playing in this class we have no plans for you to like either reclass or or whatever unless you're injured um so I have people listening who aren't familiar I feel like what is a gray shirt um okay so freshman year it sounds like you you came in you were ready to compete ready to play excited about the opportunity to kind of move into that slot I'm guessing season season academics social all went well that year yeah it was it was pretty good that year so take us into sophomore year <laughs> oh man sophomore year is when I lost it you know <laughs> like I think like I said like all the emotions of just feeling lonely feeling like I was by myself um class of course starts like school starts to ramp up football starts to ramp up um, and then, like, I just felt, like, very, very distant. And I think, like, since, fr- like, freshman year was such a great feeling and it was such a high, like, I think when I came down from that and felt, like, how lonely I actually was, um, like I said, I always seek validation in the sport. And, like, that sophomore year, like, there was no validation from it. Because, you know, like, you're, like when you're your first year at school, you go back home and, like, all, all people ask you about, oh, how's football? How's, how's, how's it going at school? And you're like, yeah, it's cool, it's cool. But then, like that second year is not like it's not the it's not the same, you know. So like you're really honest with yourself, and I think there was it was a moment where I had to sit with my emotions. And I remember earlier we we harped on just like how men like aren't able to express themselves. So I remember in this time, like didn't didn't hear about depression or anything like that. So I remember even like to rewind being as like being a kid and like feeling like I had to cry. I thought that there was something wrong with me. So I'm like, what what's wrong? And then, like that sophomore year, it it sucks because all your friends, like they're they're, they're traveling, they're, they're getting ready for the game, and then they're leaving, and then you are still around on campus, so you feel like you're not even a, a part of it. So you feel distant in that way, um, which can create some like a lot of loneliness, and then just feelings of like feeling unwanted. So I remember that there was just a whole bunch of that, and I was just soaked in like soaked in that, and I was probably like the lowest I've ever been. And not like being unaware of what depression was, I was like, this is this this is bad. Like I I don't want to be a part of this at all, which took me to like the lowest point I've ever been to, where I ended up trying to commit my like co- trying to commit suicide, and that didn't work. And I was like, you know what? Well, if like I'm, I remember waking up the next day and being like, dang, like I really wanted to be done with this. And then the following day, like I was like, you know what? Uh, like I'm going to like plan out a way to actually just take myself out of this because there's just something wrong with me. And I remember I had the plan, I had the time and everything. And I remember like leading up to the time I put my phone down. Um, and right when I put my phone down, I got a notification on Instagram from my mom and it was like late at night. So, and the one thing about my mom is she's never like on the phone late. So I'm like, this kind of, this is, this is a sign. So I remember being there sitting down, like, God, like if, if my mom answers the phone when I call her, it's a sign that I have some type of purpose in my life. And I remember calling my mom and she answered, of course, and I'm here and I'm very fortunate for that. And I broke down and I just told her what was going on. And then she was like, you got to talk to somebody. So I remember winter break, I went and I spoke to somebody, like to a counselor. And I remember like I was sharing him what, what I was feeling. And he said, like, have you ever thought about you, like you might have struggled with depression? And I was like, what's that? And he explained it. 
And it was like, I've always tell people like, sometimes a diagnosis might be the best thing for a person because whenever you have like an ache or something that's, that's ill, you just think that, wow, this is always going to be like this and you try to adapt it, but it's like you get to a point where it feels like you can't fight it anymore. And sometimes when you get a diagnosis, it lets you know what's the problem. So you know that you can start working to better that thing. So I feel like once I found out like all about mental health and depression, I was able to realize that I wasn't the only one, that there was a lot of people out there. And it was the first time like I felt like I was a part of it. And that was like a positive shift toward like in towards the journey that I'm like still on now. When you were like leading up, well, thank you for sharing that first and foremost. Um, I know it can be hard to get vulnerable. When you were leading up to this moment of like, I'm done with this, you know, I don't want any part. Were you kind of talking to anyone? Were you normalizing this in your mind of like, oh, this is just how I feel, even though like there's there's really no external like I think sometimes what what I've struggled with in the past and and where I'm trying to get at is like everything can be wrong internally and you can feel a certain way but you look at the external factors and you're like, this doesn't make sense. I have so much to be grateful for. So much good is in my life. Why do I feel this way? And for me, it was always really scary to be like, there's nothing to pinpoint this. Like there's nothing to pin this on. And why am I, that made me feel like, so like, I can't change my external circumstances because there's, or, I won't because there's nothing to change that I feel like is really going to impact the way I feel like was what, what were you like looking back now? Like, can you kind of talk about, I don't know, just, just that whole experience leading up with, if you were trying to find resources or really like how you were sorting through all of these emotions within your mind. And if you were trying anything to kind of like help, help with, yeah, I, I think you you hit it like right on the on the head. I I think that like a lot of people who struggle with depression, people always ask why don't they seek help, and it's because they don't want to be a burden to anybody else. They don't want to put an extra thing on other people, so they try to 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 cover it up as much as they can. So they put a so we, we put a mask on, and with that mask on, we're still able to be perceived as happy or the person that's very outgoing. Um, so that, that's just what I did. I was like, I don't want other people to know about this. And then it's also like a fear of judgment too, where it's like, what are people going to think of me? Are they going to say I'm soft? Or are they going to say, oh, like you're weak? Or like you said, are they going to say, well, why are you complaining? Your life doesn't seem like it's that bad compared to X, Y, and Z. You know, so I think it was just outwardly, I looked like still that very happy, energetic friend. But inwardly, I was just like, like fighting with my own thoughts. Yeah. I, I, I always think it's very interesting. Like the commonalities, I think with, with people's, you know, experiences with like depression and and mental health. Like I find a lot of people, it's so interesting. I find a lot of people experience a lot of the same things and, and we're all kind of have lived in a world where like, we didn't feel comfortable saying it, but if one person spoke up, like, which I think is what, at least like what I feel like we're doing now with Morgan's message in the mental matchup is this, this is a platform for people to share so that others feel less alone. Um, but neither here nor there. So 
you you go through this experience where you're really like you're kind of done and your mom picks up the phone and you kind of have that breakdown like with her what what do you think was that like difference maker where when she picked up the like when she picked up the phone were you planning on kind of telling her everything that was going on or was it more so like just pick up the phone it was like like I felt like it would have been it was like my last form of like hope and I think her answering the phone was more just like there's hope out there so from there you you go see professional help they diagnose you with de- depression I'm any is that that was what they diagnosed you with like yeah. okay um and and then from there like what does your path to as cliche as it sounds like what does your path to healing look like like what from from leaving leaving that room feeling like relieved that you have a diagnosis that you understand a little bit more about what's going on in your head in your body what did the next few weeks, few months look like? And what kind of work did you put in to get back to, you know, get closer to where you kind of were before? I think when I when I realized that it was something that I struggled with, I was like, I, I was like very curious of like, I wonder how many people around me probably struggle with the same thing, but aren't speaking about it. And I remember like, being on the team and being like like going like as I was like finishing my sophomore year going into my junior year now you kind of seem like one like an upperclassman so like now the younger guys they're looking up to you so I remember I was just like how can I create an environment on the team where people feel welcome because I don't know if it was like just like when you played but like the upperclassmen, they, they didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't really hang out with us. They didn't really talk to us. They were just like they did their thing and we did our thing. Um, so it felt kind of separate that way. And I, I didn't want really to, I wanted to, to end that kind of. So I was like, all right, how can I try to be the best teammate? Because like the one thing my dad always told me, he was just like, I want you to, to try to be the best. And like since I struggled with injury, like all throughout like my my career, I remember like, all right, well I can't be the best on the field. So what it would look like if I try to be the best teammate? So I like actively just went out and like had conversations with the younger guys and asked them how they're really feeling. So like they can give them that safe space in order to speak on what it is that they were going through. So to look so like so that they know that somebody understands. Or it could just to kind of give them warning signs of what to what to look out for um as they continue to 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 I guess move on in their in their career. Because I wish somebody would have told me, you're gonna feel very depressed because this is a you know, or tell me or tell me what depression was. Um, when I was first coming into it, because a lot of these guys, like when they're coming in, they're the best in their towns, they're the best in their states. So like, you know, you come on the team and you're average. Everybody, everybody's good, you know. So like, it's it's an eye opener for a lot of people, um, which a lot of people don't realize that before they come in. So I feel like I was kind of like a a mentor to the younger to my younger teammates. That's amazing. I think like passing it forward and you know being someone that you needed or could have used, you know, when you were in their spots is so powerful.
We're going to take a quick break and we'll get back to Brandon momentarily. I'd like to take a second to talk about Morgan's message, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Morgan's message was founded in 2020 to honor Morgan Rogers, who was a beloved friend, sister, daughter, and incredible artist. Through amplifying stories, resources, and expertise, Morgan's message is making a difference in the student-athlete community. To learn more about Morgan's message, to follow along, or just say hi, you can head to morgansmessage.org or follow us on Instagram at morgansmessage. With that, let's get back to Brandon. ultimately with, you know, after this experience, I know we talked a little bit about your worth, like equated to like who you were as an athlete. Did that shift in your mind at all after you kind of, after your diagnosis, like after you started working on healing, was that something you struggled with or can you talk a bit about that? Yeah. I knew that my, like my purpose in life wasn't to play football my purpose in life I realized during that time that my purpose was was to help others so I think that 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 was shift that like that was a, the biggest thing that I shifted that I remember I had um one of my mentors he asked he told me he asked me two questions he's like when you're thinking about stuff you got to ask yourself these two questions is it going to last forever and is it going to love you back and I remember I thought about it, I was like well football isn't going to last forever and Football hasn't loved me back this whole entire time I've been in school, you know. So like, I had to really think about, all right, what is it that I'm that I'm here for? So like, I, and I constantly go back to those two questions. I really, really like those two questions. the The first one, I think, like, is it going to last forever? It, that one rings very true to me. I don't think I've ever heard, "Is it going to love you back?" Um, which like. I think that applies to a good number of things, maybe not everything. Like, like I think about my job, like, is my job going to let me back? Probably not. But you know, other things like, how do you really like that are big parts of your life? How do you drive value in what you're doing and feeling like you're filling your cup with the time or the activities or the people that you're voluntary voluntarily spending your time with? Um, That's a really great, question like that's a great two set of questions that kind of shape perspective i i i i get made fun of um i i stole kind of a little mantra from one of my friends she always says it's not that deep and like i'm kind of going on a tangent here but for like something like football or like sports or even like a job like it's not that deep it's not that serious i think is something that i recently and in recent years have kind of come back to of mm-hmm. you know like equating your worth right like this isn't that serious like this isn't going to last forever it's not going to love you back like it's not that deep you can kind of mm-hmm. like take a breath maybe put your foot on the brake a little bit like get that perspective and try to like pull back on how much you react to something in you know your sport 
or your job or because I think people in different phases of life have these different things, but that that's so impactful. I'm taking that with me and I'm asking myself <laughs> those questions probably on a regular yeah. basis now. Um, so I, I love that you turned this into, you know, almost like a mental health advocacy piece within your team. And I know you're continuing that today. Can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about what you're up to now and why what you're doing is so important to you? Yeah. So I remember like approaching my senior year, I was like, man, I like, I remember like me and my friend, we were hanging out and then like this idea of like, I remember he said like the hood hippie, like, or he said like hood and, and then like, and I was like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. And then when I thought about like my life, that kind of summed up who I was. I was like, because living half my life in the Bronx, New York, living my other half, half my life in, in like in Pennsylvania, I remember I always try to feel like I had to fit both roles. Like I had to be one way when I was around one group of people and another way when I was around a different group of people. But my life was really felt meaningful and, and whole when I embraced both sides of who I was. I didn't try to please people. I just was me. And if you like me, that's cool. If, they, if you didn't, that was okay. And I was realized that there's a whole bunch of people who were kind of going through that too. But I was like, all right, that's the name's not complete. And and then I remember when when I because like my like whenever I have an idea, I like I can't sleep. So I remember thinking and the love yourself piece was just like I was because I was like like something has to 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 be like the glue. And the love yourself part was was the glue and, and then it just clicked off. So like just to explain what the hood hippie love yourself means. So you have the hood symbolizes strength, security, the hippie symbolizes like individuality. Some people like some people like to call it quirky, I like to call it unique. When you think about the hoods and hippies, they both coincide in the same society. Like they go to the same schools and same social events. And I think the same concept is true about our minds. That we have the secure part of who we are that we show everybody. And then we have the other quirky sides. Like, for example, I love Disney movies. But just by looking at me, you're not gonna you you're not gonna tell that I'm a Disney adult. And the the lovely stuff is like the glue. We're like, now that we have those two things, how do we embrace and love all those two things? And and then the whole entire thing is is a journey. Um so I've created a way to create a brand out of this, um, spreading awareness. So like my biggest thing is like, all right, how do we talk about serious topics in a cool way? Um, so I think like with the brand, I've been able to do that and it's been growing. It's been doing this for three years and it's just so much fun to talk about very serious topics and it still look, it still look really dope. <laughs> I think it's amazing. Um, I think it's so true of we all, even people who are like, oh yeah, my most authentic self. I think to a certain extent around certain people, there's some sort of, you know, shield up to protect, to like protect parts of you that you might not mm-hmm. want yeah. others who maybe you don't feel as comfortable with seeing or, you know, being nervous about being not accepted for yeah. things you like or whatever, like personally, I am very team Disney. That's my like comfort. My comfort movie is like, I throw on Encanto. I throw on a good like musical and (laughs) I'm like, I feel better already. And I, I mean, I don't need to get into like why Disney is a really like superior brand, but I think it's part of it is like, right. They keep their magic, magic going anyway. Um, 
but I love that you're bringing these two things together and really the glue, you know, of loving yourself, because I think we can all do a better job of loving ourselves more. Like I, I find that in myself, I'm harder on myself than I am on other people. Or, you know, it's really easy to find flaws in yourself or Mm -hmm. think like, Oh, I could have said that better. Oh, I could have done that better. And like figuring out a way to really like love yourself first and almost like love yourself more than other people love you is so, so, so critical and important. Cause at the end of the day, like you're the one that's going to be with yourself the longest in your whole Mm -hmm. entire, like, you know, yourself the best you're with yourself every single minute of every single day. And you don't necessarily have to like yourself. Like, I think that's one thing I've had to learn is like, you can get annoyed at yourself, but you can't like turn that into, you know, not loving because you're all you got. Um, Yeah. I I agree 100%. I think loving yourself and it's even though it sounds cliche because everybody says love yourself love yourself but like when you really sit with it it's one of the most complicated things you're gonna have to do your entire life because it's not just one like a end-all be-all or it's not like you 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 start at one time and then you you master it you you constantly evolve as a human being so like I think that we 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 wear so much so many different roles and as we continue to progress and grow and evolve as human beings those roles kind of change and transition is scary, you know, like, tra- the, the, like, I remember, like, when I think back to it, like, the transition from being a student athlete to not being a student athlete was, was big, because, like, like you said, a long period of time, I was known for this thing, and even though, like, it didn't define me anymore, it was still a big, it was just still ba- big badge that I wore, but now I didn't wear that anymore, so, like, I think the transition from being, like, immersed in it to being a fan of it, was was huge and sometimes like if you're not I, I think if you don't take the proper time it takes a little people a little bit longer to like uh, like adapt that transition another like one thing that my coaches always say was like know your role and do your job so like I think even as we progress throughout the day we have different roles like for example right now you know we're friends having a conversation um once I transition from this my girlfriend she's going to get off of work now I got to be a boyfriend um, I, I can call my, my brother and now I'm a brother. If if I'm talking to my mom now, I'm a son. So like in, in those different, as I continue to, to progress, like as I continue to, to live out the day to day, I got to know what role am I in right now? Yeah. I think that also comes to like being in the present moment. Uh, yeah. I think it's so easy for people to get, I I find it's probably gotten worse with like social media and being so connected to everyone, but it's hard to sometimes be in the present when you're like, mm-hmm. oh, and I have this on the to-do list and like, I need to do this later and I need to do this. And you kind of lose sight of like where your feet are and where you are. And it's easier yeah. said than done. Like uh-huh. that's, that was one of my <laughs> things this year. I was like, how do I be more present? How do I be more present? And I have a ways to go. But yeah. I think like, to your point of like play, knowing your job and playing your role, like that also is like, being present in that role and in that job um and then like just to piggyback off of that I always tell people the best advice for you is the advice that you give to other people so if if you like if you're giving advice to a friend you're going to be more detailed and, and you're going to be a little bit more optimistic in what you say so sometimes I always say like the best advice that you need to hear is the advice that you would give somebody else so like kind of piggyback off the brand, I remember like 
a couple months back, I started this like Dear Young Adult series because I remember I felt like there was a whole bunch of things that was on my heart and then like things that I was like wanted to work through and things that I was like kind of frustrated with where I was at. So I started thinking about all right, what advice would I give to other people? And by giving that other people advice, it's like, all right, now that advice, I gotta, I, I gotta take that take for myself. It. Mm. That's awesome. We are just about a time. So I have a few closing questions. Um, the first one being, what is one thing you do on a daily basis to remind yourself of your worth? Uh, that's a good one. I think, I think solitude, like sitting with my thoughts, like reflecting of where I was and where I am. I think like, as we continue to think about a whole bunch of things, we're never going to be where we want to be, but we're a lot further than we were. But sometimes we can forget about that if we don't remember where we were. So mm -hmm. I think sitting in solitude with my own thoughts is probably how I do that. That's great. Last one. And probably the hardest one we ask, what are you most grateful for? Ooh. That's, I think I'm, I'm most grateful for self-awareness. I say that because like, I think self-awareness is a blessing and a curse. With self-awareness comes like, you know that there's an issue. That means there's, you know that there's something that you have to fix, but it also, it's like, a, it's like sometimes it's like a, it's like one of the lights that comes on when you, like when you, when there's something wrong with your car, you know, you, you know that, all right, I got to fix this in order to mm -hmm. be better, but it's also a lot freeing because you, 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 it allows you to be where your feet are. Like you, like you mentioned. Totally. Yeah. Totally, totally, totally. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the mental matchup. This Thanks was me. an incredible conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't thank you enough. Thank you. So much. Like I said, this was fun. <laughs> <laughs>
morgansmessage.org to submit your submission or you can email submission at morgansmessage.org. And last but definitely not least, thank you to Morgan's Message for presenting the mental matchup. We would not be here without them. If you want to get in touch with Morgan's Message, you can head to morgansmessage.org or follow along on Instagram at Morgan's Message. With that, I'll see you next episode.